Welcome to Discovering You, a podcast that explores the intricacies of personality and how it impacts the way we navigate through life. What will you discover today? Hi, listeners. Hi, Heather. Hi there. How are you feeling today, Heather? Did you do your mood meter? I sure did. I am feeling, according to my mood meter, enthusiastic. Uh, moderate pleasantness and moderate energy. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing because we got the exact same thing. I got enthusiastic. And it's funny because as I was moving my finger around the app on the energy, yeah, I kind of was moving a little higher energy. A few things didn't resonate. I settled on that. How interesting that we both got enthusiastic today. And what else is funny about it is I'm not usually a late day person and we're recording this later than we typically would. True. I'm a little worried about my energy level by the end of the day. Yep. But then I got pretty excited that it's the one year anniversary show. Yay. Oh my gosh, I feel the same. That's what I was feeling. I was feeling excited. I'm feeling grateful. And so, yeah, happy anniversary, Heather. You know, I could not do this without you. I really appreciate you and I'm excited that we're doing this and I can't wait to do more. Me too. I absolutely love it. Listeners, I do want to say if you're new to this podcast, you can learn more about what we're talking about with the Mood Meter and Mark Brackett, who developed it, by listening to episode six on EQ. Today's episode really hits home for me and you'll find out why in a few moments. But first, it's time for this month's DISC example. For today's comparison, I decided to use TV show genres. So, high D, it's action or thriller, high stakes, something to get the adrenaline pumping. Some examples of this would be succession. I mean, honestly, most of the characters on this show are high Ds. And Ozark. For high I, it's a rom-com, romantic comedy. Fun, light, guaranteed to put a smile on your face. For instance, Emily in Paris, or Bridgerton. Hayes would be family drama, showcasing ongoing relationships and a deep exploration into character arcs and follow-through. This Is Us and Parenthood are a couple of examples. And finally, for High C, we have documentary, analytical, and all about learning. For instance, Planet Earth or My Octopus Teacher. Okay, back to the subject of today's episode. Do you know what an HSP is? The acronym stands for Highly Sensitive Person and was coined by the psychologist Elaine Aaron, who self-describes as an HSP, and she wrote an extensive book on this subject. Before I give you a full explanation, I'm wondering if your initial perception or reaction to the word sensitive was the same as mine. Personally, I was confusing sensitivity with emotionality. How about you, Heather? Well, I got to thinking about it, and from my own perspective, I wasn't confusing it the same way, but I was confusing it. Yeah, I think I was called sensitive in the past, and I kind of felt like I rejected it because I was definitely thinking emotionality. And then I would think about, let's say, you know, some of my friends and even colleagues, and I'm thinking like, I've seen them crying lots of times, and I rarely (laughs) cry or don't cry in public. So I was always confused by it. But this is what is so fascinating about this. I was on the wrong track. Being sensitive is often defined or at the very least associated with being emotional, and that is simply not the case. 
You may hear someone say, don't be so sensitive if a person is reacting emotionally in a situation. But this is not what the essence of sensitivity is about. At the core, what it is is a reaction to stimulation. If this sounds familiar, it's because I touched on it briefly in episode four, Reframing Introversion. Elaine Aaron says that HSPs are very high in a trait called sensory processing sensitivity, or SPS. Bear with me, there are a lot of acronyms in this episode. What does that mean? People with high levels of SPS have a stronger reactivity to things like light, noise, pain, hunger, and report being more upset by violence, tension, and feelings of being overwhelmed. Why does this happen? It comes down to differences in arousability. HSPs will often notice subtle sounds, sights, physical sensations that go completely unobserved by others. Aaron notes that the difference seems to be in a more careful processing of information in the brain, which causes more time to be spent on reflecting. Because of the extra effort going into this processing and analyzing, what is moderately stimulating for most people becomes highly stimulating for HSPs. There's so much to dive into here, but first listeners, do you think you, or maybe your spouse, or maybe your child, are a highly sensitive person? I'm going to read you the questions Aline Aaron created on her HSP scale, and you can see how you score. You can find the link to the full version of this questionnaire in the show notes. But for brevity, I'm going to narrow it down to 10 questions. Ready? One. I seem to be aware of subtleties in my environment. Two, other people's moods affect me. Three, I am made uncomfortable by loud noises. Four, I am particularly sensitive to the effects of caffeine. Five, I am easily overwhelmed by things like bright lights, strong smells, coarse fabrics, or sirens close by. Six, I get rattled when I have a lot to do in a short amount of time. Seven, I try hard to avoid making mistakes or forgetting things. Eight, I make it a point to avoid violent movies and TV shows. Nine, I have a rich, complex inner life. Ten, when I was a child, my parents or teachers seemed to see me as sensitive or shy. If you answer true to six or more of these questions, you likely have some form of high sensitivity. As I mentioned, this is pared down from the full assessment, which is 23 questions. For me, (sighs) big sigh, wow, this really strikes a chord. I know that for some people, I think you, Heather, the introversion scale was that moment. For me, it's definitely this. I answered 10 out of 10 on this quiz, and on the full version... 21 of 23. So yeah, (laughs) I'm an HSP. (laughs) Heather, what was your score? I scored eight out of 10 on this abridged version. And then I scored 20 out of 23 on the full version. That's higher than I would have thought. That's interesting. Okay. Do I not seem sensitive? (laughs) (laughs) I just honestly think of myself in the extremities. I didn't think you were as quite as high as me. Again, I feel like I have a split personality (laughs) where some things really do bother me. Noises. And we recently started going to yoga and 
I'm not very great at it, but I've been going like Monday, Wednesday, Friday for a few weeks. I was like, why am I feeling ill? But what I've come to realize, it's the incense. And so I'm super sensitive to the smell. Same thing with loud noises. Those types of things, for sure, I'm sensitive to. But I'm not sensitive to caffeine at all. So I think I'm extreme. So first of all, to the experience with yoga and the smell, I'm so sorry for you that that's for you too. Like, So for me, even if I ever go to a spa or get a massage, now what I have to do is I have to ask ahead of time, is there going to be incense? For me, lavender specifically, I cannot tolerate it. I cannot tolerate lavender. Oh my gosh, isn't that interesting? Smells are a big one for me. Lights, any kind of strobe lights, even watching TV or a movie. I feel like a lot of the time I have to put my head down and close my eyes because I don't want to get a migraine. For me, gosh, like I don't even know where to begin with my score, but it's just like everything. Yes, yes, yes. And so I am curious when, when, you know, someone like you has some of them, but not all of them. So you can drink as much caffeine as you want. I can drink caffeine, a hundred coffees a day, and I would (laughs) still fall asleep at nine o'clock. The other thing that I found interesting, which seemed extreme is when it said, I can get rattled when I have a lot to do in a short amount of time. And I thrive in that sort of scenario. Like I love having a lot of things to do in a short amount of time. Opposite of that, Frank will sit and watch TV and then be watching, you know, TikTok videos Mm -hmm. and I'm losing my mind. Like I cannot handle noise that is coming from multiple places. He just has no problem with it. I feel like I'm extreme in my answers. I'm either. Okay. Yeah. Very much highly sensitive or not at all. That is really fascinating to me. Well, to bring disc into it, shocker, I think the difference (laughs) with us in terms of the getting rattled with having a lot to do, I think that's high S, low S, right? So you have that low S, which does really thrive on having that quick pace, multitasking, whereas I have the high S, which really prefers a steady pace and being able to kind of do one thing and then move on to the next thing. That probably explains the difference. Here's the thing with caffeine with me. I have caffeine in the morning. Depending on the day, I might be able to have a little bit early afternoon. But if I try to touch that from mid-afternoon on, forget it. And then talk about being rattled. (laughs) If you tried to give me a bunch of stuff and I had caffeine, oh my gosh. (laughs) My head would be spinning and smoke would be coming out of my ears. It would not be pretty. And I think we've also discussed avoiding violence. And it's hard for me as sometimes, you know, I'll do these comparisons. And for instance, Ozark is one of the ones I talked about. And I've had people say, I can't believe you watch Ozark because you told me you can't watch X, Y, and Z. And the only reason I can watch Ozark, so I have to do a shout out here to my hubby. Thank you so much for (laughs) going through the process that we have to go through, which is basically when I sense something's happening, he mutes it. I put my fingers in my ears. I put my head down, I hum loudly. And then I say to him, can you give me the gist of what happened? Because I I wouldn't be able to watch it. I just think it's such a great show, but I I could not sit through the violence. I saw a few things from the first couple episodes and they are still with me. They just won't go. So that's why I can't do it. Are you like that? Yeah, very much the same in that respect. Okay. With the shows. And Frank does the same thing. He'll be like, "Uh, okay, it's over. And you can open your eyes now or whatever that looks like. It's almost like you can feel it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. When it's happening on the TV. That's a very good observation. And we are going to get into that exact point about feeling it. So thank you for that segue. 
I guess for me, there is no surprise on my end about being a highly sensitive person. A few years ago, I had a coach that made this observation to me. That's when I first found this book, read it, went down that rabbit hole. Again, no surprise, but what it did for me was just this incredible validation and a sense of relief to have a framework to understand so many things in my life. And listeners, for those of you who scored high, or if you know your loved ones would, I hope it provides a sense of understanding and validation for you too. There are all kinds of stories about people coming up to Elaine at book signings and telling her that she's not only changed their lives, but in some cases saved their lives. That's pretty incredible. What I love about Elaine Aaron's work, and this undoubtedly has been prompted by her own high sensitivity, is that she focuses on how you can thrive with this trait. In fact, the subtitle of the book is How to Thrive When the World Overwhelms You. So much of what I do in my job and what I discuss on this podcast is about self-awareness and how this knowledge is power when moving forward throughout all of your interactions. Let's take a closer look and gain some understanding into what is at the core of HSP. And what that is, is levels of arousal. Erin says there are two major facts to remember. First, everyone, HSP or not, feels best when neither too bored or too aroused. If someone has too little arousal, they will feel dull and uninspired. With too much, feelings of confusion, distress, and being out of control can take over. So there is an optimal level of arousal, which leads to fact number two. People differ considerably in how much their nervous system is aroused in the same situation and under the same stimulation. It's believed that this difference is largely an inherited trait and that it occurs in all higher animals, even dogs, cats, horses, monkeys. Gosh, I feel like that part from Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. From observation, it's estimated that around 15 to 20 percent of animals have this sensitivity, which strongly parallels the numbers in humans. The theory of why the trait survives in this percentage is because it's useful to have at least a few around who are watching for subtle signs. So always on the alert for danger, new foods, the habits of other animals and caring for the needs of the young and sick. Let's take a closer look of what this trait is by using does. D. O-E-S, an acronym that Aaron developed to help explain and assess for sensory processing sensitivity. I'm sorry, another acronym. (laughs) The D in does stands for depth of processing. At the center of the SPS trait is a tendency to process information more deeply, relating and comparing what we notice now to our past experiences with similar things. And we do this whether we are aware of it or not. HSPs can make decisions without knowing exactly how they came to that decision. And this is called intuition. Highly sensitive people are known to have really good, not infallible, intuition. Studies have examined and compared the brain activation of sensitive and non-sensitive people while conducting various perceptual tasks. The results show that highly sensitive people use more of the parts of the brain that are associated with deeper processing of information, especially on tasks that involve noticing subtleties. The part of the brain that shows a lot of activation in HSPs is called the insula, which is a small region in the cerebral cortex. There wasn't much known about this region prior to the mid-90s, and scientists are still uncovering its entire function 
but it's largely believed to be the cornerstone of our overall awareness, with some referring to it as the seat of consciousness. Moving on to the O in does. O is for overstimulation. Building on what we've just learned, if HSPs are going to notice all the subtleties around them, it's not surprising that they will tire sooner from having to process so much so deeply. People who don't notice the little things won't tire as easily and likely won't understand why others do. Imagine the scenario of being in meetings all day and you have to be very focused, sharp, and generally on. After all of that, there is a networking dinner and drinks. For someone with high sensory sensitivity, they're going to be pretty wiped out from the day and would prefer to opt out of the evening's activities. This reminds me of Professor Little from Episode 4, Reframing Introversion, when he skipped the group lunch and instead took a walk by the river by himself. Can I ask you a question here? Yes. Are HSPs always introverts? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. See, there's so much there. And I'm not an expert, but (laughs) surprisingly, this surprised me when I was when I was researching this. So apparently 30% of HSPs are extroverts. Really? Right. So I'm honestly, I'm not sure what to make of this. One of the studies cited in Aaron's book, which I found to be very illuminating, looked at different sets of parents and how they reacted to their environments. The HSP parents were more affected by the level of chaos in their homes than the non-sensitive parents. Okay, no surprise here, right? The fascinating part is that the observers who came to the homes agreed with the reactions of the highly sensitive parents, but the less sensitive parents did not seem to be experiencing the chaos on the same level. So one way of looking at this is that they're fortunate, right? They're not troubled by it, but it also shows up as not being able to be objective about the nature of their environment. As an aside, I have one child, (laughs) so that's on brand. (laughs) Aaron says that the O in this equation, the overstimulation, is the only negative part of the does, but it's easily remedied by taking more downtime than others to come down from those high levels of stimulation taking a walk, reading a book, any of those things. E is for emotional reactivity and also empathy. And Heather, I think I'm going to be able to get a little bit more into the question you asked on this one. Cool. Aaron writes about another study in which HSPs and non-HSPs were shown a series of photos of people expressing happiness, sadness, or even a neutral feeling. When looking at the pictures, the highly sensitive group showed increased activation in the insula but also more activity in their mirror neuron system. Mirror neurons are a type of brain cell that responds equally when we perform an action as when we witness someone else performing that action. It's how we learn by imitation, whether that be watching someone catch a ball or tie shoelaces. It also works when observing emotions. If we are seeing someone smiling or laughing or frowning and crying, our mirror neurons will be activated. HSPs are more likely to know how someone else feels, not just because they're observing it, but because to some extent, they can actually feel that way themselves. Mirror neurons are believed to be partly responsible for a person's capacity for empathy. Since HSPs are experiencing more activity in their mirror neurons, you can see how this would lead them to having a higher degree of empathy. Are being an HSP and an empath the same thing? Yeah, so I was very curious about that too. 
And when I was, honestly, it sort of depends on which body of work you're looking at. There does seem to be a bit of debate. But the general thinking is that empaths have all the traits of an HSP, but they take the experience just a little bit further. They sense subtle energies from people and environments, and they experience it in extremely deep ways. It seems that an empath would definitely be an HSP, but not necessarily the other way around. Oh, I see. It's important to know that HSP's reactions are as much or even more to pleasant emotions. So it's not just all the the hard, heavy <laughs> stuff that we're talking about. We also react stronger to pleasant emotions. So that is definitely a positive. Lastly, we have the S in does. And S is for sensing the subtle. This is what HSPs are often most aware of personally. These can be small little things that go unnoticed by others, be it a sound, a smell, or walking into a room where a serious conversation has taken place and picking up on the lingering tension. Having an awareness of subtleties is beneficial in many ways, one of which is the ability to pick up on the nonverbal cues of others, which, by the way, they typically have no idea they're giving off, which is really helpful in assessing the mood of someone you encounter or even whether that person is trustworthy. Pretty cool stuff, right? I'm going to press pause here and say that I hope you found this introduction into HSPs illuminating. And even if it's not something you think you have, it may be a family member or a colleague in the workplace. I'm going to pick this up in part two, where we'll explore what it looks like to be or interact with an HSP at work and look at some strategies to ensure you thrive in that environment. Now it's time for a listener question. This is a question that Victoria was asked at one of her workshops. It was a very unusual question, so she wanted to share it here. Which of the DISC factors is most likely to commit a crime and get away with it? (laughs) I had this question. It threw me for a loop because I was standing there and I just thought, okay, this has to be a listener question. I was very surprised by it. And let me, please let me clarify first that it was asked in the spirit of fun and silliness. There was a lot of laughing going on in the room at that time. So I do want to clarify that. And I am going to be answering it in that same spirit. I think the person asking the question was expecting a single disc factor as the answer. But I saw the question as having two parts. So yeah, even though this was trivial, I was full on analytical in my response, which is very typical for me. (laughs) Part one in my eyes, is which disc factor is most likely to commit a crime? I don't think the answer is necessarily the same for who gets away with it. In this case, I'm imagining a crime of passion. So most likely, again, this is in jest, I say high D. They are passionate, they take risks, and they are quick to react. For part two, who's most likely to get away with it? Heather, do you have a guess? I do have a guess. I think it's high C. Because I think they're calculating and competent and careful. Ooh, you had all the alliteration (laughs) of the C's there. Yes, you're right. I think it's high C's. If they were to commit a crime, which is more than likely because they are rule followers, but they would be very careful about planning out the details and ensuring that no traces of evidence would be left behind. That is my earnest answer to a not so serious question. I am a high D and a high C. (laughs) Right. (laughs) potentially my profile would be able to commit a crime and get away with it. 
the perfect one, Heather. Oh, my gosh. You got the C to premeditate and think it all through. And then the D is going to just take the action and do it. I just wouldn't be able to sleep at night. It's the HSP part, right? It would just. Yeah, it's all very layered. Yeah, I'm a bit the police about things. There's right and there's wrong. And there are gray areas. I get that. But I get mad at people for driving in the passing lane when they're not passing. I'm not mad at them. Like, I'm not trying to get by them. The rules are this lane, (laughs) unless you're going to pass someone. I'm thinking about how that plays out with your profile because, yeah, the C is definitely the rule follower. This is the way it is, kind of policing the situation. But then also the D is quick to a reaction and get out of my way. So it's it's interesting to see that. But I would say maybe you're Pisces. (laughs) But then bringing it back to this too, this highly sensitive person part of it is And I won't name any names, but I have multiple people around me that they'll be driving and they'll be talking to me and they'll be yelling at people. And I'm like, please don't call me if you're going to get mad. at." So there's that part of it. So you're picking up on the energy that's feeding to you through the phone. You're you're feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many layers. (laughs) Oh, welcome to my life. Yeah. It's interesting when they talked about cortisol levels in the book because Milo's really sick. Basically, he can't control his own cortisol level, so he's on medication to do that. Sweetie. Frank, he's just louder. He's just talking normal, but I'm like, you need to just lower your volume because I think Milo is also an HSP. I don't know if he's an HSP or if it was just actually his cortisol levels are just running high his whole life, but because now that they're starting to be regulated, he's not so nervous. (laughs) That was one thing when we were just profiling our animals. Now we're deciding if our animals are HSPs. I can tell you Winston is 100% not. He's (laughs) oblivious. My last cat, poor sweet Pablo. Yes, I definitely think he was HSP, but not this guy. This guy does not care what's going on around him. He's doing whatever he wants to do. Communicate strategically. Do you ever find yourself struggling to connect with certain clients or colleagues? What if there was a way to quickly identify their personality style and apply techniques to bridge your differences? Join Victoria for an enlightening session as she shares helpful tips and tools to ensure that you're communicating successfully. If you are interested in connecting with Victoria for team building, strategic onboarding, coaching, or a speaking engagement, you can contact her at discoverwhatworks at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Remember, send in your questions to be featured on a future episode and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app.